Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast, and thank you, as always, for being here. Before we even get started, I'm going to ask you to subscribe. Make sure you've done that and go ahead and share this to some other investors that, uh, you know, if they need help getting started, hopefully I can, uh, you know, maybe guide them, put them on their way. Or if uh, they're already invested, maybe we can learn some some new things and stay up to date with all that market information that we get every single day. But uh, yeah, so that being said, what market information did we get today? We got uh, quite a bit. We've been having, uh, you know, earnings all week. We are in like week three of earnings here. And uh, we also got that CPI news. And uh, that CPI news really did spur some market activity this morning. We uh, we moved up nicely on that news. It came in at uh, 4.9%. And we were anticipating 5%. So when we got that, uh, that no- lower number than we anticipated, uh, things really took off, at least for the early morning hours. And then the market kind of settled down. We see that a lot where people overreact to that news. There's a lot of euphoria. People start buying that, uh, you know, whatever that they're interested in at that given time. And then, you know, we start seeing those sellers come back in and those bears come back in and kind of, you know, selling off some of that little bit of a market rally that we had. But, uh, you know, overall for the day, I think we uh, we finished up pretty much across the board. Uh, Maybe not the Dow. Let me uh, let me refresh and make sure that we are. Looking good here in the uh, the after hours. Uh, it looks like the Nasdaq was strong though. I think we did finish that one strong. I did record this earlier. Had some problems with uh, actually uploading that episode, so I'm going to re-record. And uh, you know, I wasn't that happy with it anyhow. So a re-record is never a big uh, big problem for me. But uh, yeah, Nasdaq up 126 uh, points. That is one percent, one point zero four percent. If you want to be technical, S and P 500 up uh, 18.47. Up uh, about. 0.4%. We are sitting at 4137. So that is definitely nice to see that this S&P 500 level is holding up and the Dow did close down minus 0.09%. So basically flat uh down 30 points on the day for the Dow at 33,530 on Wednesday here. So yeah, like I said that uh number on CPI did come in light. That was certainly um a nice thing to see and uh it really shows a little bit about what is going on with these interest rate hikes and ultimately what's going on in the market. So um, with that being said, the dining numbers, the food numbers are still high. Uh, Let me get back to that report. Let me try to find that one. And that was um, about 10% up year over year on dining away from home. Trying to get back to this report here. And uh, about 7% up year over year on dining at home. So that is uh, is definitely a big jump up. But uh, over the course of this past month, uh, food prices away from home went up about four tenths of a percent. And grocery prices actually went down two tenths of a percent. So that's nice to see. Hopefully we can get those uh, milk and eggs prices back in line. I don't know that we're ever going to get them back to where they were a couple years back, but uh, hopefully they can start coming back down just a little bit Maybe we have a little bit more buying power when we go and fill those grocery carts 
or Instacart or however you're shopping anymore. Amazon Fresh, this, that, the other. There's too many ways to shop or even pay anymore. I can't keep track of them all. But um, yeah, so that is definitely nice to see that uh, at least the grocery prices have come down and that the CPI is got a, a four at the front of it rather than a five, a six, a seven, an eight. Uh, man, it was it was crazy there for a while. So definitely nice to see. I know it's at the expense of having these interest rates kind of keep going up. And uh, I think last time we checked this on the CME FedWatch tool, and we were about 90% at that time to actually have no interest rate hike at the next meeting in June. We still got a ton of information to digest between now and then. But uh, ultimately, you know, where is that number now? Let's take a look. Oh, we actually moved up. We are at 94% that we will not get an interest rate hike in June. So that is definitely nice to see. Only about 6% of people saying we will get a 25 basis point hike going forward. So is it is it free to go ahead and get back into growth? Um, well, not for me yet. Let me, let me explain here. Uh, well, first off, the elephant in the room. I tried to cover this earlier. Oh, man, this is... Uh, this was an oversight on my part. So I'm going to take the L on this one and uh, say that I did go ahead and buy that plug power on Monday. And the, the problem with me buying plug power is that uh, I didn't check the earnings report date for plug before I went ahead and put that up on the Let It Grow Investing page for the five stocks to buy that week. We saw that plug had a, a ton of upside, according to a lot of analysts. I think it was 150 some percent of upside. And the the thing that I wasn't looking at, and the only reason I put it on the investing challenge for this week is because we bought it this week last year, but that was probably after earnings. And now this time we actually bought before earnings. That is a, a cardinal sin, especially a growth stock in this environment right now. It's just a rough time. You know, it, it could have gone well. We could have seen, you know, a 20% run if things went perfect, but Things have not been going perfect for a lot of these growth stocks, and Plug Power is no exception. So we bought it Monday, and I believe they reported Monday night, and that was a uh, disaster. It went down about fourteen percent after hours, and man, it was just uh, you know worse than expected. Uh, let me get to an article here about what happened with Plug Power, and really see what they said here. We got. Uh, we tanked nearly 14% as earnings brings liquidity concerns. So this is saying that we have about $1.6 billion in unrestricted cash and available securities. And that is down from roughly $2 billion as the end of the December quarter. So we are burning through cash. We are not going to be making that much. And hey, if, if we got to raise cash, it's going to be more expensive now than what it was uh, you know, this time last year. So... Um, it's just a rough environment for them. And really, I think that is one of the main concerns here with Plug Power is that uh, we, we just don't know how long it's going to be until we're profitable and uh, really how long this cash is going to last. You know, $1.6 is a lot of cash, but they are burning through it and they don't have that revenue to support. So if they got to raise more funds, it's going to be expensive. There's going to be a lot of dilution. And ultimately, people sold off on this news. Now, uh, conversely, um, another one that you know we we talk about a, a fair amount on here, and uh, that name is Palantir. Palantir came out and and blew this out of the water. No one was expecting Palantir to say, "Hey, we are profitable." 
not only are we profitable this quarter, but this is going to be our first full year that is going to be profitable as, as a whole. So Palantir really rallied, right? I think we were up about 20, 22%, something like that on, uh, on Monday. So it offset some of my losses in plug and uh, definitely nice to see that Palantir is getting to that path of profitability. It's definitely a, a solid thing to see one of these companies that we know that, you know, a, a lot of the things that they do are kind of secretive working with governments and, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes. Uh, the earnings call did talk a lot about AI. We saw a lot of demand across all different tech stocks uh, in AI. We saw Pepsi talking AI. It was just kind of the one of the main uh, buzzwords around this earnings season. So uh, definitely nice to see them. Um, yeah, up 23%. Man, that is crazy. And uh, de definitely nice to see that. And we do have some some analyst research that looks like you know, people are getting more and more bullish on Palantir. Uh, so I definitely like to see that. Um, the current uh, price target is $8.79. I don't think that we've got uh, all these new evaluations, new price targets really cooked in. And uh, yeah, we've got a couple rolling in. We did have a buy rating from Raymond James. We've got a hold from Credit Suisse, uh, hold from DA Davidson and Mizuho. But uh, overall, uh, I do think that we, we've got at least some clarity that the fact that they can be profitable. That was a problem with this company for a long time. Uh, Alex Karp kind of being that nomad of a CEO. We never really knew what he was up to. Is he worried about the shareholders? Is he worried about the money? Is he really just trying to build a really you know amazing company, but not so much worry about the business end? And now it, it looks like, hey, they're actually going to get to where we've wanted to be, them to be for so long. So that is definitely good to see. And uh, it's it's a bullish thing for me, you know. I mean, especially after holding this one for a while, it's definitely nice to see that they are going to be profitable, and not just for a quarter, not just a blip, but you know, for a full year. So that is definitely a good sign. Now, moving forward, um, Google, and I've been more or less pounding the table on this one. I can't tell you guys what to buy. I'm not an advisor. I am just saying what I see here, and man. Google is is really trying to get this AI, AI off the ground. Google search is going to be embedded with uh, AI. It's really going to be a strike at Microsoft. We're really going to see what they're going to do here. They were up 4% today, uh, $4.40 up. And uh, even after hours, they're moving up more. Uh, so that being said, we did get a buy rating uh, yesterday from Bernstein for 125 UBS uh, was last in well, the end of April, 427. That was uh, for 123. Mones says 135. Man, I still think that Google is way undervalued. I think a, a lot of people are sleeping on this one. And for me, if this one does settle back down, I'd like to buy a little bit more, maybe in that 108, 109 range. Let it kind of cool off. Uh, see if we can't retrace some of this $4 gain that we had today. And then go ahead and add some more because I think this is going to be a long-term winner. Now, uh, Microsoft at the same time. And okay, so this this one with Google, I'm, I'm still bullish on. I think I'm getting this one right. Uh, I think I got plug wrong, or at least I bought it wrong. I might have bought it next week if we uh, you know, put it up to vote next week. I, I would have rather had that earnings news in first. But Microsoft, okay. Um, I was kind of talking about the fact that these large cap tech companies that have all this cash and you know they're looking for opportunities. They're going to go bottom fishing. They're going to try to find those 
uh, you know, diamonds in the rough where they can go ahead and make some real moves while stocks and companies are devalued. And uh, they're doing exactly that. So um, when I get back over to this article, where is it now? Um, Microsoft is going to be investing in Helion Energy, uh, which is going to be a nuclear fusion power company. And uh, they're going to be looking to do that within the next five years. And they're saying that it is a uh, the commitment is a bold one, given that uh, neither Helion nor anyone else in the world has yet produced electricity from fusion. And uh, Microsoft goes on to say that they wouldn't enter into this agreement if we were not optimistic that engineering advances are gaining momentum. And that was Microsoft President Brad Smith. So um, again, I don't really know where they're going with this one. I really don't know even where to start at uh, fusion energy, electricity. I have no idea what that even means or how big of an opportunity that is. But uh, I do like the fact that Microsoft is looking for some value right now. They're looking to deploy some capital. They already are making some some smart moves with OpenAI and ChatGPT. And I think you know Google's going to be playing a little bit of catch up on that front. But when they do, I think Google's going to be doing well. And I think Microsoft, um, you know, they're putting out a lot of different lines. I know the Activision deal didn't go through, but hey, that didn't didn't go through. We're going to try this nuclear fusion for electricity power thing. Uh, I don't mind the fact that they are looking to spend some money to make some money. So that is definitely something that I am watching. Uh, I think it is a a bold statement about where that company is and where they're trying to go. And uh, we'll, we'll ultimately see what happens there. But uh, definitely something that I am bullish on, on some of these large cap uh, tech companies really taking advantage of the current economic situation out there and really putting their money to play where they think it's going to do the best good. So, um, or at least the best good for them. I don't know if AI is going to you know, solve all of our problems or make more. Uh, I think it's going to do probably a little bit of both, but we'll ultimately we'll see on that front. But uh, Bitcoin, let's let's get on the Bitcoin front. Uh, if you're following Bitcoin or uh, any of the cryptos, they are trading down. And uh, some of that is to do with Bitrix uh, being delisted or going bankrupt. And that is going to be the second largest exchange since FTX. So um, uh, probably more liquidity problems. I haven't really read into it, but uh, I have seen Bitcoin, Ethereum trade down. Bitcoin's at $28,003 uh, while I'm recording this. Ethereum's at eighteen seventy two. Not a major trade down, but enough to uh, really... I mean, you can definitely see the drop on the, on the one day, on the one week. There's certainly a, a nice uh, dip here. So again, I mean, you got to be smart about where you're holding your coins. A cold wallet's going to be the safest. Keeping it on the exchange is going to be riskier, um, especially some of these smaller ones. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. If they're giving you the most amount of uh, you know interest on your staking, that's probably not a good thing, I'm, I'm going to guess. I, I mean, I don't know how they do it and lend it out in five, 10 different ways and you know to get you that yield but ultimately at the end of the day it's got to be riskier so uh same thing with the stock market if you expect uh you know 100 returns it's probably a risky stock if you expect a 10 percent return hey that's uh that's fairly average so definitely think about where you're putting your money how you're holding your coins and uh really try to prepare yourself for what could happen on any of these individual platforms i don't want you guys being all in on on any one stock, right? I mean, anything can happen to any company. Even you know, if they had a, a big um, fraudulent case at, uh, I don't know, pick Google. 
you know, and something went there, you know, you could lose 20, 30, 40% instantly. But when you diversify and, you know, put a little bit here, a little bit there, um, you know, go from stocks to some gold, to some crypto, uh, I think that is going to be a better situation, a little bit more diversified. And like I've said before, I really don't like to have any more than 5% in any one given stock. So if I have uh, 20 stocks, I shoot for about 5% each. And that's kind of how I do it. And that's uh, worked well for me. I've got more than 20, but uh, none of them are more than 5%. Some of them are really close. Apple's probably uh, getting there at this point as they keep on growing and uh, you know have more positive news out there. And actually looking at Apple, they are... You know, a little bit more upside here on this one. We've got some buy ratings coming in from last Friday, 195, 180, 188. And then uh, Barclays saying 149. That one's uh, pretty bearish on, on Apple here. Bank of America at 176 a hold as well. But um, yeah, where we go from there? I think we've got uh, some security stocks that have done pretty well. And uh, I'm looking at CrowdStrike. I'm looking at Palo Alto. And both of those look to be doing uh, pretty good here. Uh, CrowdStrike's actually up 3% after hour, well, for the day. And uh, I don't have anything after hours on CrowdStrike right now. Up about a nickel on CrowdStrike uh, after hours. Just pulled that one up. Um, what do we got? We've got... Uh, it says one of the best workplaces. Okay. Uh, we've got... I think we had an earnings report, but it's buried in these. Uh, here's a conference call. That was from the third. But uh, this one did move up nicely. When I look at the one month, where are we going on CrowdStrike? We dipped down to about uh, 116 on the second. We're sitting at 133.85 now. Uh, I'm still pretty bullish on these names. I think they're going to stand the test of time, at least uh, you know the main players. There's still about 25% of upside on CrowdStrike. That's from 31 different analysts. And then Palo Alto... Ticker PANW, if you are following along. Um, sitting at 199, there's about 13.8% of upside on this one. So, CrowdStrike, uh, if you listen to the analysts, you got a little bit more room to go up there. Uh, but they both did pretty well in the reports. Um, now, this one, if I if I just read the headlines to you, you're going to think, man, this, uh, this had to go up. This had to do well. PayPal, PYPL, we had a beat on earnings. We had a beat. On revenue, we had a guided forecast higher. So, of course, we went up, right? Wrong. We went down. We got beat on this one yet again. This one has been a pain point in my portfolio for some time now. Oh, man. On April 17th, we were at 77.33. Uh, sorry. And uh, right now, we are sitting at 6335 this one just continually gets crushed. Uh, I think we're down probably another close to 18, 20% on this one. And why? Well, they guided higher, but they didn't guide higher on their core business, right? They didn't guide higher on PayPal interactions. They guided higher on more transactional payments uh, where they're getting you know, a fraction of a penny for people to use PayPal credentials to pay with their credit card on another service. So uh, they can log in with PayPal and uh, you know pay for, I don't know, pizza. Say they're getting pizza. They can pay with PayPal, but it's not a PayPal transaction. They're just logging in through their PayPal. So they are getting a smaller percent of that sale. They are doing more business that way. There are more people using the service. 
they are generating more money, but it's at a lower margin. So a lot of people are getting scared with this one uh, from the standpoint that it's not trading like a typical fintech anymore. It's not trading like Visa. It's not trading like MasterCard. So there's some multiple correction here. It's still sitting at 27.90. I looked at Visa earlier. It's around 31 on the on a PE. Uh, so PayPal's PE has corrected. But a lot of the concern here for me is that it's going to be treated like a transactional uh, payment solution company, which generally trades at a much lower PE. Um, now, I looked up Global Payment Network, which is GPN. Uh, and that one is similar. They get a small percentage from every time a card is swiped, uh, whether it's Visa, MasterCard, they get a little bit of that transaction as well. And they've done pretty well, uh, depending on when you bought that one. But um, now, if PayPal starts to get valued like one of those companies, the valuations on the PEs tend to be much lower. Uh, GPNs right now uh, didn't have a PE. It said that the EPS was negative. I'm not too sure why that is. They generally are in that mid-teens kind of price point on a PE. Um, but right now, their earnings is negative. So there's no PE. That's just how it works. But um, I definitely think that the guide higher on PayPal is a good thing. Uh, I think there's a lot of people running for the hills because PayPal's core business is in question, similar to what Facebook did, right? We saw Facebook try to say, hey, we're the meta company. We are going to build a metaverse. Everyone said, what is a metaverse? I don't even know what that is. I don't want to invest in that. Get back to your advertising on your social media platform and I'm in. Right now, same thing for PayPal. If people aren't using their payment network, and they're just using their login credentials to use their bank account, is it really a valuable service? Or could people just use another one like Zelle or, you know, however, you know, just log in, pay with your, you know, your credit card? Um, you know, could you just have Bank of America or, you know, Wells Fargo app on your on your phone just as, you know, a payment processor? So I guess there's a lot of fears around the core business. Uh, if that multiple continues to correct. That's going to be a painful thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, currently uh, EPS is $2.09, uh, PE of $27.90. Multiply that out, should come out to about $63.35 where we're trading. And uh, that is the the real concern is that if that earning stays, uh, you know, say it goes up to about $2.50, but that PE comes down to $20, you know, we're going to be trading a lot lower. And that is definitely the thing where, People don't really know where that PE is headed. We don't know how to value this one if it's not a fintech and it's just this transactional company. So that is a lot of the fear. Now, I don't really know what to tell you to do with this one. Um, uh, again, I can't tell you what to do with this one. I, I can't even tell you what I'm doing with this one. Currently, there's about 73% of upside. Someone's on here saying that PayPal should be valued at 357.40. I don't even know where that came from. But um, we've got a buy from Bank of America at 90. We've got two holds, Edward Jones and Truist. Uh, Truist is saying 90. Bank of America doesn't want to commit to a number. BMO is saying 100. And Piper Sandler saying 83. And that was all yesterday. Um, before that, we actually got uh, five buy ratings all yesterday as well. 160 from Canaccord. JP Morgan just says buy. Wedbush says 85. JMP says 85. Deutsche Bank says 100. So there are some people that are bullish on this one. I kind of think that uh, that this sell-off in their core business 
is probably a little bit overblown. I don't really think that this one is being treated the way it should for having a guided up. And I mean, if they're going to do more numbers and have more income, hopefully the margins are high enough to, to be able to sustain the level of, uh, you know, bottom line growth that they've got. But that's really the thing. We really don't know at this point what is going to happen going forward with PayPal. So um, for me, man, I would I would love to average down. This one has just given me a black eye time and time again when I think that I can average down on it. So it's really hard for me to say to go ahead and, and buy this one or tell myself to buy this one when it's really just not clear what the company is going to do. So I might go ahead and let this one settle out a little bit more, try to dig in a little bit deeper on the numbers and ultimately see what the plan is and how bad things really are in that core business before I go ahead and make any kind of move. It is at a low. Um, today was was the low at 62.78. So that is definitely, oh man, I, I can't even say that's good. That's it's it's a sign that uh, you know things could certainly get worse, but um, the guide higher makes me think that uh, things are going to get better. But ultimately, we just don't know. So uh, that's that's kind of my uh, my two cents on that. Uh, did we talk Disney? I don't even. I got Disney written here, and that was at the top of the list. And I don't even think I talked Disney yet. Um, if I did, my apologies. You get to hear it twice. Uh, Disney. We had them report after hours. And uh, we were down 1% on the day, but um, we were down 4.6% after hours. Now, I don't think this one makes sense either. Um, we did miss, but we missed by a penny. Uh, and with that being said, the streaming was tough, but the parks business was a blowout to the positive. So that was, uh, was good to see. Uh, Disney is looking to um, go ahead and cut some more positions. And that is going to be also to help reinstate the, the dividend by the end of the year. Now, Disney was paying a biannual dividend. Generally, you're going to see them pay every quarter roughly um, right after earnings. They'll kind of announce, yeah, hey, we're, we're doing a dividend. This is what it's going to be. We're going to maintain. We're going to raise it. Uh, well, Disney had to cut during the pandemic. So they just cut it all together. So they're trying to reinstate it. And... Uh, a lot of that money they're trying to raise for the dividend is going to come by way of cutting personnel. So, um, what else are we doing? Bob Iger, I didn't even read this. This was uh, this was news to me that uh, uh, all this new stuff on Disney here. So, Bob Iger said Disney was no longer ch going to chase subscribers at the expense of profits. He wasn't kidding. Uh, it says that their fiscal second quarter results Wednesday afternoon contained a couple of surprises for the company's streaming business. That segment generated an operating loss of $659 million, nearly $200 million less than Wall Street had expected and way better than the $1 billion torched by that unit three months prior. But the flagship Disney Plus service also lost 4 million paid subscribers during the quarter, its biggest drop ever, and a shock to analysts who expected the service to add 1.7 million subscribers. Man, so that's a 5.7 million subscriber swing. 4 million loss versus 1.7 looking to add. Uh, so yeah, we're down about 4%. Like I said, the park side of the business was pretty good. Um, the park revenue rose about 14% year over year to nearly 5.6 billion. 
which was slightly ahead of expectations, and major cost cuts and other changes announced by Mr. Iger during the company's last earnings call in mid-February were deemed good enough for activist uh, Nelson Peltz to call off his campaign. But um, yeah, so Disney, man, this one, I, I feel like they've, they've been trying to get out of their own way. I feel like the park business is solid. The uh, the streaming side has been tough. And um, man, I, I don't really know how they're going to turn this profitable. They're really not looking to chase new people. Uh, I, I'm sure a lot of these people were probably uh, package deals where, hey, you buy a, a Verizon plan, you get free uh, Disney service for a year. And I'm guessing a lot of these people are cutting. Hey, we're not using it. We're not going to re- renew it or we're not going to pay for it. So uh, I'm sure there's a lot of that. But at the same time, if they're going to have this service, there's got to be some kind of revenue for it. Uh, or it's just kind of a, a waste of their time, efforts, and resources to keep that side of the business going. So uh, for me, uh, I'm still I'm still bullish on Disney. Uh, I think that this Disney Plus thing and everyone having a streaming service is certainly difficult. But um, ultimately, we're going to see where they go from here and really where they... Uh, navigate these waters where they can you know cut how they can get this dividend back and really where they go uh, forward from here so uh, with that being said i'm going to take a quick break i want to do a quick quick recap on the stocks that i am looking at this week and why i am looking at these and they have all reported so we're not going to get blindsided by an earnings report the day that we buy this stock so stick around i will be right back and we're going to cover these real quick All right, guys, we are back here on the podcast. And if you do need help getting going, I do have links in the description to help get you started. Uh, Whether you're looking for a brokerage account, a retirement account, just a little side trading account, uh, I've got some links to help get you started. We've got uh, crypto.com, we've got Binance, we've got E-Trade. That's where I do the majority of my investing, as well as Webull. That is where we are doing the investing challenge for 23. And we are moving up nicely in that account. We're up about 10% on the year. And uh, we're still trying to fight to get out of that negative number we were in from last year. But uh, your votes helped me significantly on that one. So get over there to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook and get your vote in for one of these stocks that we're about to talk about. And uh, they do have on Webull about uh, 20 free shares right now for simply opening an account and starting with as little as a dollar. So go ahead, use my link and get going over there for some free shares. Now, I did want to give you an update here on Google. Um, This one, I just kind of got in some of this news about what they are doing. And uh, it's all about this presentation that they had. And uh, they're using a translator app that can turn video into one language into at least a passable version of the same video in another language. That's pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, They are announcing a new large language model, Palm 2. Uh, We've also got Google is removing the wait list for BARD and opening it up in 180 plus countries. That is the big news of this one that I am seeing. They've got a new phone that they are unveiling, the Google Pixel Fold, and that is starting at $17.99. I'm not big on these foldable phones. Uh, It just seems like more things to go wrong. But hey, if you are buying them and you want to spend some money, uh, Google will gladly take your money. They are announcing also that they have the A3 virtual machines for AI with NVIDIA's H100 chips. So again, more more news on that AI front. That has been a massive talk about what they are saying. And uh, I think they mentioned in this article 
that uh, or in this presentation, they they used AI 200 times over the last 200 or uh, 200 times over the last two hours. Sorry, I can't uh, process what this is saying. Maybe I need some AI. Uh, so now they are changing their search page and there's going to be an AI powered snapshot at the top of search results with links included. And uh, they're going to be adding a dark mode to this Bard uh, platform. Also, they've got, uh, it says, with Palm 2, Bard's math, logic, and reasoning skills have made a huge leap forward. Bard now knows 20 programming languages, including Google Sheets functions. Coding is one of the most popular things people are doing in uh, the Bard AI. Uh, they are also adding Magic Compose to Google Messages powered. Uh, for Android, powered by generative AI. And uh, I guess it's going to have a, a bunch of different uh, automated responses. And I, I'm not too sure what we can actually do with this one, but I'm kind of interested to see where that goes too. Uh, so in the next few weeks, it says that Bard will become more visual, both in responses and prompt. Um, and then it says Bard images from Google search and your knowledge graph uh, two responses. So uh, going to be a lot more intuitive as to what it's doing out there. And uh, ultimately, we'll see where it goes from here. Now, um, quick recap, the the five stocks that I was looking at for this week. And uh, those are going to be, uh, what do we got here? Let's get back to that. We've got uh, up first was going to be AIG. Now this one, they, they went ahead and raised this dividend after earnings. I thought that was going to be a bullish sign. And uh, I don't really have any exposure to insurance companies. Um, so I thought maybe this could be a good one for a little bit of safety. It seems like things are going well. If they are willing to raise that dividend, uh, these 13 ranked analysts on E-Trade or, or on tip ranks actually has about 27% of upside there. So I thought, hey, maybe, maybe this could be a good way to uh, kind of dip your toe into some insurance names and uh, get a little bit of exposure on that front. Uh, number two is going to be AMD. Now, they were looking to partner with Microsoft to get their chips into their AI going forward. And uh, hopefully that could be a beneficial thing for AMD. There's not much upside on this one, only about 1.8%. But I do think that uh, they were getting traded down. Uh, I mean, last week they were down to 81.62. And that was pretty much when this one caught my eye was last week. And now, hey, we already shot up to $97. So I missed, uh, what, about $16 by waiting to buy this one and bringing it up to you guys. But uh, ultimately, I still think that it is a solid company and one that could really be um, undervalued if they really hit the ground on um, hit the ground running on AI. I think this one could definitely take off again. And uh, people have been sleeping a little bit on AMD. Uh, going forward, number three was going to be Simon Property Group SPG. Now, this one also raised their dividend after earning. We've got about a 6.76% quarterly dividend yield. And uh, like I said, they increased this dividend. And I am loving getting paid north of 6% on some of these, uh, these commercial REITs that are continuing to generate a lot of cash. Uh, you know, we've definitely had some problems in that commercial real estate space. We've had problems in malls. Somehow they keep generating more cash and that free cash flow is uh, is definitely a nice thing to see. And that dividend is is helpful as well. Could be a good one to put in a IRA or a tax sheltered account, 401k, and uh, let that money reinvest and not have to pay those taxes on these dividends as well. Uh, going forward, we've got uh, Chevron, CVX. 
And now my thought here was, well, if rates aren't going up like we looked at in the uh, the first part of the show, um, maybe we start getting some cuts by the end of the year. Perhaps we can see more demand for building, more demand for people getting back out and traveling, a little bit more, um, you know, renewed interest in vacationing and uh, and building. Uh, that price of crude oil should creep up as there's more demand. And the fact that prices are coming down um, on some other things, maybe there's going to be more interest for for uh, more travel and uh, use of oil. So I kind of thought that this one could be in a spot where it has traded down over the past month. We did get up to about 172.44 uh, is what I'm seeing. And now we're trading down to about 157 since we saw the price on crude come down. But now if we have a resurgence in demand, um, you know, we might actually see this one start to rise as crude goes back up with uh, kind of this cycle, uh, kind of shifting gears here. So you start with about a 3.8% dividend yield. I think this one uh, being at a PE of an 8.6 is going to be priced, uh, you know, very cheaply for what it is. And uh, the beta is pretty low. So low volatility, about 21% of upside for an average price target of 190. Uh, the low is a 165. So even at the low price, you still got about 5% and a 3.8% dividend yield. So you're about 8.8% of upside. And that high price is 212. So that's about 35% of upside. And then, you know, add back that dividend in. And you got a nice little gain there at that average price with a 21% of upside. So I do like this name. I definitely think that it's traded down on some fears. I think some of those fears are going to be easing. We might have a renewed uh, kind of resurgence in travel and demand for oil. So I thought that this could be a sweet spot to buy this one, get that yield, and get a company that is going to be rebounding uh, in, the, in the next six to 12 months, would be my guess. So, um, but finally, the, the last one here was Goldman Sachs. Similar interest here. Uh, I, I think as rates slow off, we're going to see some renewed interest in the IPO market. We're going to see investment banking uh, probably roll back up as more people are looking to go public with their companies. And uh, Goldman Sachs, that is their sweet spot. That's what they do. So I think that Goldman is also being slept on from some of the problems in the banking industry. So as banking's been taking it on the chin, we've seen them sell off. We've seen all these banks sell off, the regionals more so, but the larger banks have, have definitely had some uncertainty, some, some rough footing here in the market. So as they start to roll back up, the rates kind of come back down a bit. Maybe we pause here for a while. Uh, an elevated interest rate is a good thing for someone like Goldman. They can make more money. But as things cool, we're going to see more interest in IPOs and that investment banking that they do so well. So I do think that they're going to have some uh, some upside here. I think we're buying it at a good point. And uh, we're sitting at 322. The average price target is 409.29. That's 27% of upside. And again, 4.5% of upside at the low price target from 14 analysts and a high price target of 470. And that represents about 45.7% of upside going forward. So uh, you add back in that dividend. Where are we on this one? We've got 3.08% of dividend. And man, I think that uh, on a bank stock like Goldman, uh, that you normally aren't going to see about this 20-some percent of upside, uh, I think we could be buying this one at a safe spot. We've got a PE of 11, low beta. And man, I, I feel comfortable, very, very comfortable with Goldman. I feel very, very comfortable with Chevron. Um, 
AMD is probably my my dark horse play that uh, if AI goes right, they could do pretty well. Simon Property Group, I would be getting into that for the the yield, but also the bullishness that they have by raising the yield. Same thing for AIG. I think both of those are going to do okay. Um, I think two of my favorite this week would be Goldman, Chevron. And uh, if I was looking for yield, I'd probably be looking to get into Simon Property Group. But that's the five I got for you guys this week. They've all reported. I'm not going to make that mistake again. If you see me making some boat-headed mistakes, please let me know. Man, I, I wish I would have seen this one. And uh, I saw the report after hours on Monday. And man, I <laughs> I had to laugh to myself. That was definitely painful. But um, hey, you can't want them all. So I definitely try. But uh, if you're seeing me make some some silly, questionable calls, hey, call me out on it. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to know what you guys are thinking out there and what names you are really watching. Uh, these are certainly five that I've come up with for this week, but I want to know your thoughts. So let me know on Let It Grow Investing on Facebook or comment on the, the Spotify link, and I will definitely take that into consideration for the next episode. So that's what I got for you guys. Thanks for being here. Sorry about the plug power thing. We're going to make it right. We're going to go up from here. I can feel it. And hopefully plug power gets back up to some of these price targets that a lot of people are calling for on this one. Because currently, um, let me let me just double check to try to you know ease my ego here. About 174% of upside from 19 different analysts from here. So we will ultimately see what happens. Man, I'd love to see that. That would make me uh, feel a little bit better about buying this and then having it go down 15%. But anyhow, that's what I got for you guys this week. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for stopping by, and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.